0: Now I actively seek out, like for her new primary up here, I had to actively seek out a certified first like office. So yeah. But seek it out, people. Do it. I <laughs> it's great.
1: I know firsthand that when you're raising a challenging, reactive or aggressive dog that life isn't all unicorns and rainbows. But I also know that it helps to hear other people's stories. My name is Kaisa van Overbeek, and on this podcast we share stories of the force-free training journeys of amazing dogs who are just a little rough around the edges. Hi everyone, another interview episode of rough around the edges as always it's becoming kind of boring to say it i'm talking to someone from across the ocean not from the netherlands but again from the u.s of a um from the capital washington dc and it's megan and i'm going to be talking to her about her awesome dog luna And, you know, like we, as we always do, like before we hit the record button, we kind of already started chatting and I was like, nope, we're stopping the chat right now. We're hitting record because I can already see where this is going. All the good stuff is going to be said before we record. So we're going to stop that. We're going to record and we're going to just wing it, talk about all the stuff that comes up and see where it goes. So here we are. Um, I'm going to let Megan introduce Luna and her journey with Luna, we'll have plenty to talk about. Megan,
0: over to you. Um, yeah, hi. Um, so I'm Megan. I have um a she's mostly Mountain Cur, but also a little bit of lab and German Shepherd. Um, she's a year and eight months now. She's a pain in the butt. That's <laughs> the <a> joke. Um <laughs> no, she's just um she's a very Complex dog, behaviorally and medically, um, and she's been on a journey to heal both sides of her behaviorally and medically.
1: And I already want to jump in there because this is one of the reasons that we sort of broke off our our pre um, pre chat. I almost want to say is because you mentioned that interaction between um behavior and medical and that you even like when you refer to the, what you were posting on instagram said like okay in the beginning i used to post about her uh, uh labeling here as reactive or aggressive and now i'm just kind of using more or less the label complex because you know the interaction between the behavior and the medical issues is so complex and like my first question already, when it comes to the data is like, how does that labeling influence how you see Luna? Like what's the thought process behind the different labeling?
0: Um, so I will still, I will say I'll still use them situationally. So I go, when I, when I talk about Luna to other people, like um, when we were at our behavior or so the vet or whatever I will start with the word complex if you look in our Instagram bio that's the I used to have the word reactive in there I don't anymore now I just go with complex because it's more of an overarching word like an overarching descriptor but I use reactive and aggressive and anxious and things like that more situationally so like if I see like we were at the vet Yesterday. So I walked in there saying, Hi, I have an aggressive dog. Here are the accommodations we need. I'm not gonna walk in there and be like, oh my god, my dog is complex and she is this, that, and the other thing. It's no, she is aggressive, she is a bite risk, here's what's going on. If we're like if I'm talking to someone on Instagram and they have a reactive dog, I'll be like, Oh, my reactive dog too. But it's it's more about in terms of how I look at her, it's more about seeing her as the sum of all her parts more as like a being. Cause if you just look at a dog as like aggressive or reactive, it's really easy to go. Oh, like they just, you know, training, fixing, whatever. But if you see them more as a complex being it, I don't know if I want to use the word humanizes cause they're not human, but it makes it a lot easier for them to be empathetic and realize there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than just, you know, aggression or whatever.
1: Oh, I, I like very much love that. And I do think, um, like even in my messaging to, to people, I do use the words reactive and aggressive. Um, (laughs) kind of when, once I get to coaching them, I try and make people aware of what it does to label someone or something a certain way, because it does become the lens through which you start looking at things. So if you think of your dog, like only as reactive, it becomes very hard to see. I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't, but it becomes a lens through which you see the dog. So it's harder to see all the great things or all the good things, or maybe, like you said, um, focus on the fact that maybe there might be something medical going on, if the whole full lens is um reactive whereas indeed if you say complex i think it opens you up to see to see the interaction between the different things and to see actually the dog for who they are and then maybe also better be able to um, i don't want to say it to adapt not just your training but how you go about daily life with your dog to really to who the dog is which is generally more than the labels that we we stick on them um so when you say like aggressive bite risk, and all of that, just take me back to when because we were like I was jumping the gun here, but take me back to when you got Luna and how everything started, so how did you find out exactly the full complexity oh. of her, so to say
0: oh boy well the the full the full I only started using the word complex in the past couple of months, um but her issues started, so I got Luna. When she was three months and a day, Uh, actually, it was was very specific. Um, She started off as a foster. I was living, so I live in DC right now, but at the time I was living in a really small town in Pennsylvania with my parents. It was COVID. I was home from university, you know, we were back there. And one of my mom's friends was like, oh, I work with this organization. We have a load of puppies coming up. We need a foster, can you foster one? And we were like, sure, yeah, whatever. Picked her up off the transport. And we're immediately like, okay, this is our dog now. Blah, 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 la blah. La, la. Um, and then it, like, very quickly became, oh, not our dog, my dog. Um, but she had a lot of issues right away. Um, so she had very clearly, like, from day one, had Severe car anxiety. Like, I was living in a house at the time, and there was an attached garage. And to get to the garage, you had to walk through like a laundry room, and she wouldn't even go into the doorway of the laundry room because she knew the garage was connected on the other side and that there was a car in there. If you put her in the car, she would shake so badly that she had to sit on your lap, and then she would like cry and not be able to move so it was bad immediately we took her to the vet and the vet was like hey and again we're not going inside because covid but the vet was like hey something's wrong with your dog um like most dogs are nervous at the vet this is not normal nervous this is like a serious issue type nervous but we were like oh okay yeah whatever blah, blah, blah. um so was actually prescribed her first um behavioral med at like four months old she got prescribed situational trazodone um for vet visits and car rides and then our vet was like yeah you need to i mean unfortunately it didn't really help that much because her uh socialization period had already closed at three months pretty much but she was like yeah you need to like put her in puppy class and like start actively working on training and things because red flags like this is not normal and at that point we had only ever had like regular, I don't want to say regular, because regular all dogs, dogs? I, yeah, dogs are normal. but like the more like socially acceptable dog that like never really had training and kind of just like chilled and was like, you could walk them down the street normally. <laughs> yeah. See, this um, is
1: where labeling kind of sometimes just helps make the conversation a little easier. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like I don't I don't like to use terms like normal or like regular, but like sometimes it's helpful. So we didn't really we were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Went to training, started doing a ton of training. She got really good at obedience from a really young age, la la la. Hit like a small snag with food bowl resource guarding and like space guarding a little bit. But Like, had a private lesson with a trainer, resolved it in literally three days, very quickly. In retrospect, there were a lot of things wrong. But at the time, I didn't know enough to know that there were a lot of things wrong. Like, obviously, you go, oh, yeah, she had car anxiety. But we mostly overcame the worst of it. It was like, oh, yeah, she's nervous at the vet. But, like, in retrospect, she was showing a lot of signs that I just was not catching. And then when she was nine months, I think, we moved from my dead silent house Mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania to um, Washington, D.C. Um, I had expected, and everyone had been telling me to expect, a period of... uh, turmoil from right after the move for maybe like a week or two or three while she was just like getting adjusted to a new environment. So I went into that expecting there to be issues. And then there were. And I was like, oh, okay, this is just like normal. Like it is what it is. She's just like getting settled or whatever. Um spoiler <laughs> alert, that's not what it was. <laughs> um so like we would walk around and she would be it started as just like a bark and then it turned into like a growl and a bark and then eventually within a couple of weeks we were doing a full lunge with a bark and growl at like 70% of the people we would pass every single bike every single scooter um most dogs um people could not pet her people could not invade her space um, and then we started with the pica and the food and discrimination. So on our third day of living in Washington, D.C., we already knew she would go through traffic like trash cans, but that's like a normal puppy thing. On our third day here, um, we actually conducted our, she was only nine months old. I think it was our second ER visit for ingesting inedible objects when she went through we had just moved in. So we still had a garbage bag on the floor and she went through and pulled out a ball of aluminum foil and ate the entire thing. So day three, I don't have a car. It's 11 PM. We're in an Uber going (laughs) to the closest all night ER. And that was one of, I think in her life, she's had five ER visits for ingesting things. Um, and the, the, the pica and in food discrimination comes back later when we talk about her medical issues. Um, okay,
1: hold on one second because I kind of have an idea what pica is just from all of the things that I've read, but not everybody listening might know what it uh, is. Can you give like a super short summary?
0: Yeah, so pica, pica actually affects humans too. Um, it's basically when you or your dog or whatever wants to eat non-edible objects. So like Luna has eaten... In her lifetime, a cigarette butt. Um, she eats grass and leaves and sticks constantly. You can't stop that. She's eaten food wrappers, aluminum foil, hair scrunchies, socks, but the, the, it's, it's an inexhaustible list. And then food and discrimination is basically just she will pick up and eat anything that is like, smells like, looks like, tastes like food. So that would be our third ER visit, fourth, fourth ER visit for chicken bones. Um, She's also eaten French fries, an entire hamburger, most of a slice of pizza, a chocolate cupcake once, which wasn't great. um, Or what we think was a chocolate cupcake. Um, Yeah, everything. So she's like a vacuum cleaner. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause
1: for the, for the burgers and the chicken bones, I'm kind of like, well, oh, yeah, I think mine would do that too. But like bowls of aluminum foil, mm, maybe. Aluminum
0: foil tasted like a hamburger, which is why she ate it. But that's not normal.
1: <laughs> mm, no.
0: Um, and we found out later, we thought this was just like a quirk or whatever. No, it's actually related. We think probably to all of her medical issues. Um, but that's also, when I'm like skipping a lot around in this story. Sorry. Um, but that's also when the aluminum foil was day three, the chicken bones were like uh, less than a month later had to be two or three weeks later. She ate like four cooked chicken bones because around here, I don't know if this is a thing people like throw their food specifically chicken bones, just like on the street, which I don't understand, but that was the vet appointment where the ER doctor was like, Hey, does she uh do this a lot? And I had to go, uh yeah. <laughs> and they were like, um, have you considered like doing something about this? And I was like, like, yeah, no kidding, I've considered doing something about this. What would you like me to yeah, do? But what? And they're like, Well, have you considered muzzling? And I was like, huh. No, I haven't. That's a good idea. And then I went home and I ordered my very first muzzle. And we have not looked back since. I love her muzzle. Luna will never be without her muzzle. I don't care. The muzzle is the greatest tool in the history of the world. I love it with my entire heart and soul. You're talking to a big (laughs) muzzle fan here. So,
1: But I'm, I'm also thinking, okay, maybe this is just from what I'm hearing right now. But your first vet in Pennsylvania then is telling you like, okay, immediately like, okay, this is anxiety, but this is anxiety plus that I'm seeing here. And your second vet is going like, or maybe not second, but you know, like the one in DC goes, Hey, this is um, something you can do something about, for example, by muzzling. Now I hear a lot of people, you know, where, where they're going to the vet and the vet doesn't seem to really be up to par, or at least not so up to speed with behavioral issues and really recognizing when something's off. But I almost want to say, it sounds like you got pretty lucky lucky with those vets sort of pointing these things out, or am I seeing it wrong? (laughs) Yeah,
0: so our original, I actually, hmm, we just, I mean, I'm not even 100% convinced because I'm scared to. Anyone, anyone out there who has a complex dog knows what I mean when I say you get incredibly attached to your veterinarian, like This is my ride or die. Like I would die for this woman. I love her. I did not ever want to see another veterinarian ever. She was my primary back in Pennsylvania. She's certified fear-free. She has been with Luna through everything and has helped me with everything. And I did not want to switch. But now with another impending diagnosis that would give Luna chronic disease care I live four hours away from Pennsylvania now so I was like we need to get another and I (laughs) I literally cried before this vet appointment because I didn't want to do it but um yeah it's having a good vet listen if you're in the U.S. try to find a certified fear free vet because let me tell you what regular vets like the because we go to the ER a lot. The ER, our ER and our inter- internist were the same like hospital, and they like I've had them straight up tell me so Luna's that aggressive, and I've had them tell me that it's because like she's protecting me or something, mm. huh? <laughs> no. Or like, oh, well, we put her in the back room and she's fine. She's like totally relaxed, totally. Cal- totally no, she's down. not. <laughs> she's she's so anxious, she's shut down. What mm. do you mean? So, like, yeah, I've I've body blocked vet like vet text before. I've screamed across the room not to make eye contact before. So it's like, I I do wish veterinary, like I I wish we wouldn't have to have a certification to say that they've studied behavior like I wish this was just like an across the board thing that we could implement because I feel like it would make all of our lives a lot easier or maybe that's just me I don't know but (laughs) yeah yeah. but 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 I did lock out
1: but then did you like was this by accident let's say that the closest vet to you where you used to live was fear-free certified or did you know to um to look for one
0: No, that was an accident. So she was actually because my my parents also have like we've always like I had dogs growing up the entire time. And at the time we got Luna, we had two senior dogs as well. And she was already their primary just by happenstance that happened to be like one of the closest vet offices to our house at the time. And she happened to be the primary for, I guess, one of the times my parents must have took their dog in and they really liked her and kept her. So then when I got a dog, it just naturally happened that we saw her. And then I found out she was certified fear-free later on. Stroke a so, It was an accident, but now I actively seek out, like for her new primary up here, I had to actively seek out a certified fear-free like office. So, yeah, but seek it out, people. Do it. I, <laughs> it's great.
1: Yeah, I love that. I don't think like where where I live in the Netherlands that we have that. I actually took um, Rusty in for an MRI a couple of months ago, which is at like at the university clinics, so where they train veterinarians basically the only place in the netherlands where you can train to be a veterinarian and i asked um the students is it so do you have any like you know courses on behavior have you learned about that do you know about fear free handling uh you know like special techniques that are are less um uh what's the word i'm looking for well I just, i'm just going to say less scary for the dog you know that and they're like no is there such a thing? I was like, Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. So this is the university, you know, like where they study and it's not a thing. So we have a ways to go. So if I had that in Holland, I would totally, totally seek that out as well.
0: No, it's bad. You ever see those videos online? Oh, you don't have to, you ever see those videos online that it's like the vet, that like leans all the way over the dog that's sitting. And I'm like, I was literally sitting there having heart palpitations because I, my dog is a bite risk. Like she is muzzled at the vet. I She cannot be handled. Like physically, they cannot handle her. She can be on a hundred milligrams of trazodone and she is untouchable unless she is sedated. Like you put her your hand on her back and she bites. So uh, you watch those videos of them like leaning over and I'm like, <laughs> and over here, like you're going to get bit in the face. And it's going to be, it's going to be your fault, but they're going to blame the dog. So I'm like sweating. And then everyone's like, oh my God, he did such a good job. He gained the dog's trust. No, he's lucky he didn't get bit. Oh my God. Whew. Yeah. Anyway. Yes, yes,
1: I'm with you. I also, when I see those movie clips or those YouTube videos, I also do recognize that a couple of years ago, that would have been me ooing and eyeing over how great the vet was doing. So to say, so it's, not like I'm not judging anyone who's doing that because it was me. But now that I know better, I also, I kind of like, I'm like, I can't watch. I can't watch. I can't see this. This is something's going to go wrong. You know, it's almost like you're watching a horror movie, you know, something bad's going to happen. You're just waiting for it. And it's like, oh, (laughs) anyway, we're digressing. So stroke of luck, you found out about fear-free. Where are we now? Like we're in DC. So she's starting to growl and lunge. And lots of yeah. things eating aluminum foil, chicken bones. Like, are you still thinking like, okay, we're like on top of this. Have you searched for help at this point? Like what's going on in your mind?
0: Yeah. So things were escalating rapidly. And at this point I was like, huh, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe this isn't just a transition period. Hmm, imagine that. Um. So at that point, I didn't know what I was looking for in a trainer. I have no idea. I'd never had, I had a trainer in Pennsylvania that was recommended by my vet. That was like a training school where she went for puppy class and then saw the owner for that one-on-one. But like, I, I didn't know. So I just kind of looked up like dog trainers in DC who do like one-on-ones and then came up. I'm I'm not going to say the name because they weren't great, but they weren't bad but I don't want to give recommendations and or have anyone bash them. So I'm not going to say the name, but I just found like this woman and she came over. I think I worked with her once a week for like a month and a half. I don't even think we hit two months and it was like, fine. I I like to say she was a good, a a good beginner's guide to reactive dogs wherein she didn't, it wasn't like, Okay. It it could have been a lot worse. Let me put it that way. (laughs) Um, but it was a good, it was a good stepping stone into doing the work that I needed to do for reactive dog training. So she kind of just gave me the shove. And then I, I actually, I think I worked with her. We moved in, we moved to DC in August. I think I got her at the end of september like middle to end of september and i was done working with her by the beginning of november i know that um and then from november to november of 2021 to may end of april of 2022 i did all of luna's training myself so i didn't have a trainer that entire time and which was bad too
1: right Huh. So this was in the middle of COVID as well. Like I don't know. I can't recall like if like if there were lockdowns or anything in DC at this time, or if you could work face to face with people or not anymore.
0: Yeah. The trainer was coming, she was able to come over and like work with us. She wore a mask like inside, but when we were outside, we were both like without masks and Uh things. Um, but yeah, she was able to come over and things. Um, but yeah don't do that. People work with a trainer. Don't be me. (laughs) Don't do what I did. Um, but yeah.
1: What got you to,
0: to, um,
1: stop working with that trainer. Do you know what the trigger was for that?
0: Um, I mostly just felt like we weren't really progressing. Like she kind of just, sorry, that was my air conditioning. She kind of just was like doing like the same things every week kind of and there wasn't a lot of like forward progress that I could see and then I was kind of sitting there and I was like well wait a minute why like I've been practicing in between she's coming once a week I'm practicing six days she's here on the seventh but why aren't we like doing like more things like why aren't we I don't know I feel like I was expecting more like expecting us to keep upping the stakes and we did the first few weeks and then she kind of stopped and then I was like well, why am I paying if she's just going to come here and tell me to do the things I've been doing? And then I was like, well, I could just do this. And that's, (laughs) that's, I, I did mostly sort of, but like, that's when I was like, well, I'll just, just like, screw it. I'll just do it. And that's when I just like threw myself into like internet type training research and things and did most of it myself. Yeah.
1: Got it. So what was most of it? So what at what are you focusing on at that time?
0: Um, so at the time our biggest focus was um all of Luna's reactivity issues. So we were doing I was doing a lot of leash walking because I had like a weird mix of like incorporating policies from that trainer and also like doing my own thing. So I liked when she would say, "Um, this is a very controversial subject. A lot of people don't agree with this. I like it. Luna, we do pretty much, we were doing pretty much the same walk every day um, where Luna would walk in heel for like three or four blocks until we got to this really nice like grassy place. Um, and heel meant like we're not stopping for sniffing breaks and things like that because, and it's a very specific, like, at my right foot. Um, I've gotten a little bit more relaxed with that, but I like putting her in heel just because she responds very well to body blocking. Um, and she will actively. Actually, now that we work on heel so much, she actually responds, um, to a trigger cued heel. If we're walking somewhere where, uh, like we're not in a city, if she sees a trigger, she'll actually automatically come back to heel now, which is why I'm like, Oh, okay. It's not controversial. It's fine then. <laughs> uh, um, um, so she walks in heel. I use, um, she's in a muzzle. She has a nice little label that says, do not pet, do not distract. Um, the combination of those two things really gives us like a wide berth. It's real nice. Um, and then, so she does like a nice heel. I, she walks on the right so that everyone's going on the left so that my body is in between her and whoever might pass. Because again, she responds very well to body blocking. She appreciates it when I am in between her and anything else. So, it's, it's a right side heel. So we walk, and then we get over there, and because she's a cur, those are treeing dogs. So I purposely walk over there where there's a ton of green space. A ton of. It's a city. It's, it's some green space. <laughs> and there's, like, trees, and there's, like, a ton of squirrels. And then I'll pretty much just let Luna. I, I call it hunting. It's not really. I feel like I might get backlash for this. I'm so sorry. I promise it's not mean to the squirrels. Luna is literally muzzled so she can't catch them and she's like on leash so she's not gonna catch them but I just let her like chase the squirrels up the tree and we walk that a couple times and then we march on back and heal so we were really working on at that point Luna had severe frustration reactivity to other dogs this was one of the red flags that was like blowing in like hurricane force winds when she was a baby that I just like totally ignored um she because I over socialized considerably with dogs which was my fault like I fully take the responsibility for that one she sees a dog and is like oh my god bestie oh my god we're gonna play what is this stupid leash doing here i just want to be your best friend and we can run around and like it'll just be great so she sees the leash as like and then this also contributed to a lot of barrier frustration later on where she's viewing these things as um like something preventing her from being able to play with the other dog so she responds to that by lunging with all her might at these other dogs and barking, which a lot of people see as aggressive. It wasn't, it was frustration. Yes, I'm positive. I've been asked multiple times if I'm very positive, it's frustration and not fear or aggression. Yes, I am 100% positive it was frustration. Um, okay, how?
1: Yeah, huh? I just, I'm curious how, because people are going to ask,
0: how can you be, how can you be um, like so sure of that? It's mostly because I I just... because I've had her since she was a baby and I know her very well and I know how she was brought up when she originally started exhibiting these signs it was very clear that it was play motivated because she would go into a literal back when I was still living in Pennsylvania we would see a dog she would literally go into a play crouch in the street and then like try to go play run at that dog And then she would get upset that she couldn't. And that's when she would start barking. So that's how I know it was frustration because she was attempting to play on leash the same way she would off leash with other dogs. And that gradually morphed into I'm on leash. There's no point doing the play crouch anymore or the play bow. I'm just going to go straight into a lunge and a bark because like I'm upset and I want to get over to that dog over there. So that's how I knew it was frustration. Mm -hmm. Recently, we've hit an issue where the line between (laughs) frustration and pure aggression is getting like slightly blurred with some dogs. And it's like, as an owner, it's not just me. It's hard to admit sometimes where like sometimes you don't know, like sometimes Mm -hmm. even for me, Because I get that question. How do you know it's frustration instead of fear or true aggression? And the answer is, yeah, most of the time I know very well that it's frustration because I know what her body language looks like and I know what her motivations are. But there are times recently, which we didn't, we're we skipping around. This is really bad. I didn't even get to what triggered this whole thing, um, in the first place, but in recent times, I'll get that right after this, um, the line between frustration and true aggression in the sense of, oh, I don't like you, dog, has most of the time I can tell. But sometimes, even I'm like, I don't know which one that was, because her motivations have changed somewhat. And that's like, hard to admit as an owner because especially when you've already gone through a lot with that dog everyone looks at you goes oh you know everything about your dog like when I was prepping for this interview everyone kept telling me like oh but you know everything about her like they're just asking you about Luna like it's it's like what's the big deal you know everything about her and I'm like like yeah on the surface like I guess I do but like at the same time sometimes It's like, that's rough for reactive dog parents. I think to sit there and sometimes go, I don't know this about my dog. And you have have the doubts,
1: right? Because like you said, like, and even when I'm thinking about aggression, like even I, I mean, aggression in itself is already actually too broad of a topic almost for one person to say, like, I'm a specialist in aggression. Like you can even like subdivide that into 50 different Mm -hmm. like topics and then even then probably a lifetime of studying that for somebody who's just focused on that is probably not enough i think if i were to interview uh you know like uh, michael shikazia or one of the other aggression experts out there they would probably be like oh like do you want me to talk on aggression like what sub aspect of the sub aspect of the sub aspect yeah you want to talk to me and like and we're just the guardians like we don't like we we go like all of us like down the training rabbit hole to help our dogs but we're no specialists you know Like we so of course we don't know everything and of course it's hard and of course we sometimes doubt and of course we also have this idea of like subconsciously like aggression is bad oh my gosh do I have a is my dog bad now because of this like I don't know I almost feel that it is because you were saying like the line gets blurred that it almost feels like well when you can say it's frustration based it's kind of okay but if it then morphs to like aggression aggression oh then then maybe it's not so okay anymore and then there's that underlying of it okay again sorry Hi, Jackie. No. We're coming back to you.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So we were training frustration reactivity in dogs. This is actually to date where Luna, <laughs> I like to say, I, I, I think if anyone has ever interacted with me on social media, you probably have heard me say this at one point or another, where it's like, you could come to me with pretty much any issue except from a bite history because Luna somehow doesn't have a bite history yet, but pretty much any other issue in the entire dog world. And I could almost say with certainty that Luna either has dealt with this at some point in the past or is currently dealing with it. Like that's that's where we are in terms of everything. So with that said, frustration reactivity is to date where Luna has made the greatest amount of progress. And that was pretty much all about me on my own. Not to toot my own horn, but that was... That was continues to be where Luna has made the most progress. She went from very frustrated to pretty much neutral. Um, She, well, she was debatable now because of things that happened a couple months ago. But so that was good. We were making all the progress. The other thing I was training hard at the time was fear reactivity to... The entire world. <laughs> hmm. And you may think that's dramatic. No, it was almost everything in life. Um, her main things were like people, just just people in general, kids, bikes, um, people who look suspicious. Don't ask me what suspicious means. She knows what suspicious means. I don't know. Old people are a big problem. Um, scooters skateboards um trash cans anything that rolled wheelchairs which was really bad because there's a guy in my building who has a wheelchair and Luna would freak every time she saw him and I always felt so bad um so and it was (laughs) I'd be like oh in in quotes unpredictable it was not unpredictable I just didn't know anything about body language at the time so I was like oh my God, why is my dog lunging? And then I sat down and learned a lot about body language. And then I was like, okay, reaction incoming. Let's avert this. But that was also, we did make, when I was still training on my own, we made a good amount of progress. She's non-reactive to the wheelchairs and the bikes and the scooters and the things that move. She's non-reactive to like 99% of adult humans who look Normal. So, the thing about reactive dogs a lot is that they sense patterns. They like patterns. And the reason so many reactive dogs have issues with children and old people is that the majority of the people they're seeing in a day are adult humans who walk in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. Old people and children don't move like that. Old people tend to shuffle their feet and look all hunched over and move slower. And kids are like crazy and running all over the place and waving their arms around. And so Luna specifically really thrives on routine and pattern and consistency, which is why she is not a fan of kids and old people still working on that one. Um, But we reached a point where I could be like, yeah, we're walking down the street now And she can heal nicely and have good engagement with me and, Mm -hmm. and, um, like ignore the dogs and the people that are walking by. But at the same time, we've plateaued in the sense that if anyone looks quote unquote suspicious in the way that they're like walking or acting or coming off, and suspicious changes on the day. I brought in a package yesterday and she thought it was suspicious. Like, (laughs) I don't even know. Um, but we had plateaued in the sense that I wasn't really getting anywhere with that. And then at the same time, I was like, well, we can probably start to move on to other training priorities, which included, she had slight noise sensitivity at the time. Obviously we were still working through PICA and food indiscrimination. Um, We were working through some separation anxiety issues. Um, And then I was like, well, maybe I can consider contacting a trainer just to get us over the last hump. I don't know. And then everything went bad. Um, (laughs) um, So about four months ago, three or four months ago, um, Luna had a complete and total mental breakdown. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even say that lightly. I, it was a literal mental break. Um, she basically stopped. There was like a three-day period where she couldn't go outside except to do anything but go to the bathroom. She would run out, pee, and run in as quick as she could. Um, she was terrified of everything. Eventually, I just had to be like, look, we can't live like this. Um, this is like really bad. Don't do this, people. <laughs> Don't be me. I feel bad. Um, but Luna always does better when her like dog friends are there. So I live in an apartment building with a courtyard. And in the courtyard, there's like a small dog run. So I waited until there was another dog out there in the dog run. And then I picked her up and marched her out there and set her down and she fought me the whole way but then she got out there and she was like oh my best friend is here okay this isn't so bad so don't do that don't be me that was that was bad don't do that but at the time I really was out of choices um so that was what prompted so it was bad Luna since then has developed severe noise phobia like severe noise phobia um she couldn't we haven't been on a walk in almost four months at this point um she can't function in the outside world like at all the only places she can go are into the courtyard and then if I park a car out front and hustle her out there real quick then we can go to like a sniff spot or like, there's like an Arboretum near us for like decompression. We do weekly decompression. So I hustle her out to the car real quick, and then we can go places like that for decompression. But we haven't been on a walk in the city. Um, and that was what prompted me to actually get a trainer again. And then Also, a behaviorist. So, can can you pinpoint or like trace back
1: what caused that breakdown? So to say, was there a triggering event, or was it just like in you? I mean, um, there might have been something that you you haven't really consciously seen, but did it just appear out of nowhere, or
0: can you mm, link it? Uh, kind kind of. Um, there was. (laughs) I'm gonna put this in quotes and event um but like not really so the event in question was we were outside we were by ourselves and she was like sniffing around the dog run or whatever and i wasn't really pa- i was waiting for her to poop i think i wasn't really paying attention we don't play until she poops um i wasn't super paying attention and all of a sudden I see her jump like literally a foot in the air. I don't think I've ever seen a dog jump so high in my entire life. Um and at the same time there was like a huge banging sound right outside like the courtyard and she freaked and was like get me inside immediately. I still have no idea. I think she was like sniffing something. I don't know if Something went up her nose. I don't know if like a bug bit her. I I have I still to this day have no idea what it was, but she was freaked out. And then, but ordinarily, I I I put that in quotes because ordinarily that should not be enough for a mentally stable dog to be so thrown out. A, A mentally stable dog goes oh well, that was weird. I would like to go inside and lay down now. But you know, in a couple hours, we'll just go back outside and like, life will be fine. Luna was so far gone at that point from constant, it had been a somewhat traumatic, like, week leading up to that where like, I had accidentally like, walked her through like a party happening in the lobby at one point because I didn't realize they were there and like a couple other like semi-traumatic things but again it's nothing that a stable dog would look at and go oh well that was a little uncomfortable but at that point because Luna so when we went to the behaviorist the behaviorist was basically like she thinks it was An entire lifetime essentially of trigger stacking that was
1: that culminated in that in that one jump almost.
0: Yeah. It was coupled with a lot of untreated and unregulated anxiety and also the fact that Luna was is so sick that she's not a lot of times her brain isn't processing the same way that like a normal dog's brain would process. And also her, the breeder was based, or not the breeder, (laughs) the behaviorist was like a combination of genetics, which, you know, her parents epigenetics, which is like what happens to the mom during like pregnancy and birth. And then life experiences, which includes the still undiagnosed illness coupled with a, some trigger stacking. I mean, again, I was doing my br- my best at like decompression weekly and like we do daily enrichment and like we don't eat out of a bowl anymore and like all types of things like that. But it was like when your dog has untreated anxiety like that, it's decompression is still very hard. Um, so that, so it wasn't so much the scary jump, noise thing that was the trigger as an entire lifetime of building upon each other that culminated in that one moment which is why I mostly refer to it as like a mental break now because it basically was she kind of just like snapped in that moment um and this is so- when you
1: you called in trainer and behaviorist again
0: Yes. So that's when I got a trainer. Actually, Lauren, who was on here a couple weeks ago, yeah. right? Stellan. Yes. I had I had texted Lauren and I was like, Lauren, everything is bad. Ah. I, I I think she will say that's exactly what my message said to her. And then she was like, Well, why don't you work with um Gia, who was Lauren's trainer, who she had worked really closely with. And I was like, All right, I'm on it. So then I contacted Gia. And then at the same time, I started calling behaviorists because I was like, I had known for a while that Luna probably needed to be on anxiety medication. But I was putting it off because her training was going so well. And also behaviorists are like very expensive. And it's very hard to get into them. And everything is bad. I had called actually... A behaviorist a couple months before that. Oh, because of a totally different part of Luna's journey that we haven't even touched on yet. I told you, she's a very complex dog. There's a lot going on. Um, uh, so I'll, well, I'll finish this thought. Um, I got a trainer, Gia, and then I was also calling behaviorists and I ended up having to go, all of them were like six month waits out. And I was like, this is an emergency My dog literally can't step outside. If you walk outside, she would turn around and run as fast as she could back to the door. You couldn't get more than five feet away from the door of the apartment building before she would literally sprint for her life back in. So I was like, okay, this is an emergency. Um, I ended up having to go all the way to Philadelphia to um, the University of Pennsylvania, their vet program, um, to see a behaviorist there because they were the shortest one they only had a 3 month wait and i was oh. like okay um but i had originally contacted a behaviorist this is why i knew it was going to be bad because i had contacted a behaviorist 6 months six, yeah 5 6 months before that for a totally separate issue involving, okay, this is when we're going to discuss vomit, everyone, from here on out. So if you don't want to listen to that, you should probably stop listening now. (laughs) Um, So Luna, um, for probably over a year at this point, um, has uh, chronic vomiting issues. So she throws up one, two times a week, like clockwork. If we reach day five of no-vomit, I start looking at my watch and betting within the next 48 hours she will throw up. Um, so she's a chronic vomiter um, and she also has severe bite risk level resource guarding of her vomit. So you cannot be in the same room as her when she vomits. You cannot look at her when she throws up. Um, you cannot be in her general vicinity. Or she will growl and snap at you. Normal resource guarding methods of, you know, exchanging, treat tosses, luring, recall, whatever,
1: don't work. Because uh, this is what you had had tried with her when you said like minor resource guarding issues had shown up in the beginning. And you said, okay, those were kind of resolved within a couple of days. That's probably yep. what that was, right? But this vomit resource guarding is, was a whole different different thing. Yes.
0: So she used to resource guard her food bowl. And that was, again, we resolved that in literally three days. You know, just every time you would look in her direction, just toss some food at her bowl while she's eating. And within a couple times, she rapidly figured out that people walking towards her food bowl equals good things coming and not someone coming to take away my food. So again, three days tops, that was resolved. Vomit guarding is very different. And I actually <laughs> tried to explain this because Gia actually posted a video of Luna resource guarding her vomit. And there was a lot of people in the comments being like, well, why don't you just train it? Well, why don't you just do this, that, and the other thing? And I tried to explain, I was actually about to do a post on Instagram about this. Luna's resource guarding of her vomit is not normal resource guarding. Normal resource guarding is. You know, you can get the dog away somehow. You can offer them something that is always higher value. To Luna, and this is because of a, a couple things, there is nothing in this world, nothing that is higher value to her in that, in that moment than her vomit. You could have an entire filet mignon steak in your hand and wave it in front of her nose and she will not, like, that. that is of no interest to her. She could not care less in the face of her vomit. And it's not normal. She is not in her right mind when she vomits. It is, like, a totally different dog. If you can get her out of the room, like, if I magically have her on a tether when she throws up and I pull her away, as soon as she steps out of the room, she's totally fine again. But in that moment, and it's because... Because she's been throwing up for so long, so often, she has attributed an abnormally high value to this vomit. She doesn't feel good in that moment. So she's, she feels very ill. And she knows that when she feels that ill, it equals this vomit coming out. So the heightened like emotions of not feeling good connects to the physical vomit And then she goes, Oh my God, this is somehow connected to making me feel better, whatever, in her mind. And because she gets to practice this over and over and over again, like probably hundreds of times at this point, she has learned that, you know, this is something she will literally die. Like she would die for her vomit. It's not normal resource guarding, and you can't train it out. It's the same issue with her pica, because her pica is also directly related to her stomach issues. So the same with pica. People go, well, just teach a strong leave and a strong drop and you won't even need the muzzle anymore. No, (laughs) it doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. Luna's pica is directly related to her stomach issues. So she eats things because she thinks they will make her feel better. So when she feels ill, this is also how I can sometimes tell when she's about to throw up, Cause she'll start walking around and picking up random things and eating them and refusing to drop them. If I ask her to drop it, she'll run away and hide. Normally she can drop. She has fantastic impulse control. I accidentally left her entire lunch on the floor the other day <laughs> I, on accident. And I, uh, I, I left it on the floor and, and left the room totally for like a solid two minutes. And I came back and the entire thing was still there. She's like, this um, is a long
1: training session, mom. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she has her impulse control is fantastic. And people don't understand. Well, just say leave. You can't. Because if she thinks that whatever that is, the other day, she so she has no resource guarding issues other than her vomit. She has not had any since we resolved her food guarding. It is only vomit. So the other day, I'm,
1: she I'm just curious, right? Because she's, you were like this. So this was like the six months earlier when you wanted to try and get a behaviorist for the we're going to call it vomit guarding um yes but what was like were you aware at the time that it was also a medical issue like what was the thought process no. b- between getting the uh like behaviorist and you know like one of the other things that we hear going um around the internet a lot of courses like always vet bed- visit um first was that something you had considered or how, how did you
0: look at that? You know, like I want to say problem at that time. Right. So the issue was that this started very gradually. So Luna actually had issues with vomiting straight bile when she was like a baby baby. And we asked the vet and the vet was like, oh, she's just, she's not eating often enough. Like when your stomach, mm-hmm. you know, not yeah. feel sick when you don't eat. Um, a lot of times, especially in puppies, if they aren't eating often enough, their stomach acid will get all mixed up and I don't really understand the science of it, but essentially your stomach is empty and you throw up bile because your stomach acid is like too strong or something like that. I hope no scientists come for me that I explain that wrong. But the the, the general consensus is you need to keep your stomach full every you shouldn't go more than eight hours without having something. So we switched her to three meals a day and she stopped vomiting and life was like peachy keen. Eventually we stopped doing lunch because she hasn't thrown up in a while. And um, she started, the thing is it started so slowly and so long ago. I don't even remember because it started with like one vomit and then it Mm -hmm. slowly started to increase and she wasn't guarding back then to a point where it wasn't like you wake up one day and it's like, oh my God, out of nowhere, my dog is about to bite me over a pile of vomit. And this is the third time she's thrown up in two weeks. No. Oh my God. It Just happened. Snuck up basically snuck up. on Yeah. You. To a point where it was so normalized for me that I didn't even realize there was that much of a problem until I was talking to other people who were like, yeah, my dog doesn't throw up that much. And I was like, yeah, it's probably not great, but like I was also being told by a lot of different people, Oh, it's probably just a sensitive stomach. Oh, it's probably just this, that, or the next. So it wasn't really, it didn't really ever cross my mind. Like, obviously I was like, Oh, there's probably something there, but also she was going to the vet so regularly because she had so many different emergencies and she had like so much different stuff. And I, there were multiple times she got pneumonia one time and they were like, oh, does she, she throws up a lot? Cause it's in her medical records that she throws up a lot. And I was like, yeah. And they are like, oh, she probably aspirated her own vomit. And that's what gave her pneumonia. But even at that point, it wasn't like, oh, this is something we should be concerned about. Have Mm -hmm. you talked to someone about how much she's vomiting? So it was never like, you know, glaring red flags, signs pointing this way. This is an emergency. It was like, multiple times vets could have said something to me and nobody ever did so the red, um, the red
1: flag was not for the medical issue but the red flag was for the behavior um uh, for yeah for the resource guarding could, for the vomit guarding we're going to call it
0: yeah so the resource guarding vomit i did not realize how rare of a behavior this was until i reached about my fourth trainer i had asked about this and i again was treated like i had three heads no one knew what I was talking about. Everyone looked at me like I was insane. I had at this point asked, I think three vets, four trainers and several other dog owners. And every time I said this, everyone looked at me like I was absolutely insane. And I was like, well, (laughs) like clearly I'm not insane. Like this is a thing it's happening. Um, so that's when, when she started snapping at me and when I couldn't get her away from it that's when I was like okay maybe we should do something so I called a behaviorist like the nurse of a behaviorist and the behaviorist was like yeah that's not behavioral it's medical we'll see you for you know her reactivity and everything else but we're not going to see you for resource guarding until you treat the medical issue and I was like, oh, okay, this was a waste of my time. So oh, you um, weren't like,
1: okay, mind blown. This could be medical. It was more like, okay, waste of time. I mean, I,
0: I guess it was kind of like, okay, yeah, I guess it makes sense that it could be medical. But at the same time, I was like, you're not even going to see me for it. So I was <laughs> like, okay, I guess we'll do this. Little did I know this was the start of a rapid downhill train. So Um, we saw an internist then who ran two blood tests, a genetic test, a test for Addison's disease, an ultrasound, a fecal sample, a urine sample, a GI panel. Did I say ultrasound yet? Um, possibly a couple other things. And then turned around and was like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with your dog. All those tests are clean. There's nothing wrong. Um, it's probably food allergies. And I was like, okay, so do you have anything to say about the resource guarding the Because she's throwing up all the time. She's guarding it with her life. Thoughts? And he was like, mm, that's behavioral. We can't do anything about that. But it's allergies. Just put her on an elimination diet and figure out what she's allergic to. Thing, bam, boom. Mystery solved. And I was like, um, Okay.
1: <laughs> I so, I'm somewhat doubtful, but thank you for your. I
0: was like, all right, food allergies, let's do it. We did the hydrolyzed protein thing. She was on hydrolyzed protein kibble. We reach week four, which is when, you know, all toxins are supposed to be out of the body, all allergens are supposed to be out of the body, and she's still vomiting. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, this isn't right because everyone told me it was allergies. And everyone said she's supposed to be done vomiting. So I don't really know what to do. Um, And I was still figuring out because he had basically said, if it's not allergies, the next step is a biopsy and an endoscopy, which is where they stick the camera down her throat Mm -hmm. and check out all her insides. And I was like, well, I really, I really don't want to do that. (laughs) Um, So I was still figuring it out, kind of talking to my, um, my primary when the mental breakdown happened and then, um, that kind of took precedence. And then we started talking, well, what if the vomiting doesn't have anything to do with any medical issue? What if it's actually related to anxiety? Like what if she's vomiting, because she's so anxious. Um, So right now we're kind of in a place where we don't think, ah, geez, sorry. (laughs) Um, um, We're kind of in a place where we don't think it's a hundred percent. When you're doing, I'm sure. Okay. Granted, I am the only person I know. I I know a lot of people with reactive dogs. I know a lot of people with aggressive dogs. I am the only person I know who has a dog with such complex medical and behavioral issues at the same time. So maybe it's just me. I don't know. But um, I don't even know where I was going with this. Wait, what was I talking about? (laughs) Um, where you were trying to say like okay so maybe this is not
1: medical maybe she's throwing oh yeah, yeah because of her anxiety
0: so it's it's very I, I'm sure if somebody's listening to this though that also has dealt with both behavioral and medical issues it's they'll probably agree it's a very cyclical process it's very hard to know which of Luna's issues are being caused by or made worse by which condition like For example, with the vomiting, we're not sure whether the vomiting is being caused by anxiety or medical issues. Now we're all leaning more towards medical issues and potentially IBD, irritable bowel disease, is the leading suspect at this point. But we're waiting. The way you diagnose IBD is through a biopsy. We're waiting to do the biopsy because the behaviorist put Luna on an anti-anxiety med, so we're waiting to see if the anti-anxiety med is gonna make her stop vomiting to see if the vomiting is actually caused by the anxiety, or it could be caused by IBD and being worsened by anxiety. It's the same with her reactivity. Reactivity isn't necessarily being caused by any type of medical issue, but we have to question, is it being worsened because she feels ill all the time? Is it being worsened because she never feels hundred percent? And if she felt great 24 seven, would she even be considered a reactive or aggressive dog anymore? The pica is the same. Pica can be a sign of anxiety. It can also be a sign of medical issues. So it's very, it's very cyclical. It's very chicken and egg It's very, you're, you're playing guessing games 24 seven. I mean, obviously you don't need to know the cause of a behavior to treat it, but it's very helpful. It's extremely helpful when you know what's causing the issues of the behavior. And we, we, we can't know yet because it's very, because we were treating behavioral issues before medical issues, but that doesn't mean the medical issues weren't there the entire time so it's very and nobody nobody has an answer nobody can give me an answer i've talked to so many vets we've had vets an internist a behaviorist so many trainers and nobody knows but it makes total sense <laughs> to me right that it could be this
1: downward spiral like even in humans when you know like when you have a medical condition you don't feel good it has it impacts your mental health and when you're mentally not in a good place that that impacts you know like your gut health and your your overall health and then it it can just spiral all the way down from there so it makes you know it just makes complete sense to me that that could be the case so for you as the guardian where are you at now like how are you dealing (laughs) with all of that because I'm guessing the downward spiral wasn't just for her. I'm guessing at one point you're also like, okay, now what? Where I don't I don't know. Like I'm just the experts don't know how am I supposed to.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard. I I I started my Instagram. I started I started my Instagram. Well, I started Instagram just to post cute pictures, but when I decided to change over to okay, I'm going to stop posting all these cute pictures with just like, oh my God, it's Christmas. woohoo! And actually start talking about, you know, I have a muzzled dog. I have an aggressive dog. I have a reactive dog. When I made that switch, it was because I felt so alone. Like everyone I had grown up with dogs that were totally fine. Everyone I knew had dogs that were totally fine. And it was only on Instagram that I started seeing people whose dogs were not fine, um, that I was like, this isn't fair to everyone who's following me to think that I have a great dog and that, you know, life is good. And for a while before we knew all of this stuff, I did, I did feel less alone. I I tried to make like a community of like fellow reactive dog owners. And it was, it was nice. I started doing that because I didn't want other people to feel alone. I didn't want to feel alone. And it's very isolating. Um, and it helped for a while, but the issue is that Luna's issues are now so incredibly niche and so, so very specific that I am the only person I know who has a dog like this. Like even with my I mean, the Instagram community is fantastic. I love the reactive dog community on there. I love like the muzzle dog community and everything. But at the same time, Luna is the only dog I know that has pica. Luna is the only dog I know that has potential IBD. Luna, I know of two other dogs that used to resource guard their vomit. But Luna is the only dog I know of that still continues to do so and is a bite risk over it. Luna is the only dog I know that has so many of these things. And it's really turned Instagram, not isolating again, but at the same time, it's like, there is not a single person in this world that I know that I can actually say these things to. And like, yeah, people will get it because they also have reactive dogs, but having a reactive dog who also has undiagnosable medical issues is like a total, like I thought I cried a lot when I just had a reactive dog. I have never cried so much as when all of Luna's medical issues and behavioral issues started. The other, this is like bad. I was just about to post this on Instagram. I might do it today. Um, but I had to take Luna to a new vet. Um, because we think she has IBD, which is a chronic illness. She would need chronic illness care, which is um, intensive. And you have to go a lot more frequently. And I wouldn't be able to use my primary that lives four hours away. Um, So we had to go to a new vet yesterday. Uh, Going to the vet is an ordeal (laughs) it's with a capital O um, when you have a vet aggressive dog. and I literally laid on the floor. Luna sleeps in my room just with the door closed. I laid on the floor. It was like 1.30 in the morning. I had to get up at eight. And I just was like halfway on Luna's bed. And I just sobbed with her. Because I was like, I don't want to take you to the vet. I have to take you to the vet. You don't want to go to the vet. It's stressful for all of us. I worry it like affects our relationship. She didn't even necessarily have anything that Like, it was super wrong with her that I was like, and I was just like, I thought about it and I was like, there is no one I know of who is going. I mean, I know people who have that aggressive dogs and I know people who have anxious dogs, but there's nobody who who I know that has such a specific experience. And it is at times very isolating because i'm the only one (laughs) i mean if anyone else wants to like form a support group for dogs with complex medical and behavioral issues like i'm here for it i'll found it i don't care but as of right now it's me myself and i (laughs) which sucks but
1: like it is what it is but just aside from crying it out which I've talked about it on a couple of episodes, I think is an awesome way by the way of, of dealing with things. Um, how do you handle the, the isolation in that case? Like what,
0: what do you do?
1: Um,
0: so we make it a rule. I make it a rule in my, my household. I live with one other person. (laughs) It's a household of two adults and a dog. Uh, um, We make it a rule around here. Um, So we specifically, I specifically say we have, because so much of my life revolves around the dog. She's now, because we're back on eating lunch in an attempt to make her stop throwing up just in case it's because her stomach isn't. So now I have to be here at a specific time every day to feed her lunch and take her out. And we can only go outside at certain times because there are dogs in this building that she doesn't like. And we can't just go for a walk because she can't go outside. We have to wait and see if there's, we're testing next week with another dog to see if Luna will walk outside if another dog goes with her. But we have to go outside at very specific times because there are some dogs in this building she does not get along with and we can't just go on a walk. And like, you know, there's so much we have to do enrichment and I have to make sure she's getting enough. And so much of your life revolves around dog, you know, I'm constantly on the phone with the vet the behaviorist or a trainer or something. So it's, it's very important. I found, and I tell people this all the time, do something once a week without your dog, like go somewhere without leave the dog at home. Don't think about the dog. Don't talk about the dog. Just go and do something dog unrelated. So usually one of the days of the weekend, Luna and I will go, to a sniff spot or like the arboretum or like the forest or something and do a weekly decompression activity. She enjoys it. I enjoy it. It's fun. It's a nice, you know, dog activity. But then the next day of the weekend, we'll go like I'll go with my roommate and we'll go like see a movie or like go to a festival or a street fair or like, I don't know, go we went to yoga a couple weeks ago. That was fun. Um like just something that doesn't involve the dog. And I mean that helps somewhat. I also talked to her a lot about the dog. <laughs> Olivia, if you're listening, you're the best. <laughs> um poor poor Olivia. She has to listen to this all the time. But um and like she she listens, but it's, I just tell her all the things. I I put a lot into the posts I make on Instagram. I just no holding back on the posts on Instagram. I just put it all out there. Because I'm just writing all the things down and then just like sending them out is nice. Um, I DM like a couple people on there pretty regularly. So like, I've already been like, like, especially in the middle of Luna's, like, mental breakdown, I've already been, like, saw, it's been, like, three o'clock in the morning, I'm on the floor, sobbing, the, we had an issue where the alarm in, like, our, like, the battery in our fire alarm died at, like, two o'clock in the morning, so it started beeping incessantly, Luna freaked out, had a full panic attack, and then she, for, like, an hour, she was, like, catatonic, and I was just, laying on my floor sobbing i couldn't move because then luna would get freaked out if i stood up i couldn't even blow my nose because the sound was upsetting to her and i just laid on the floor with her and i was like dming someone i know on instagram and i was like i can't do this like this is too much i can't do this and (laughs) she like lives in a totally different country she couldn't even get back to me until like several hours later because she was like different time zone (laughs) Yeah. She's like, Oh my God, Megan, I'm so sorry. I didn't get this right away. Like, let's talk this out. You're okay. I understand. And so it's like, it's very important to find a community in, in person. Yeah. With, you know, non dog people who are willing to tolerate you just talking at them, not even to them, just at them, just talk at them <laughs> about all your dog issues. And they're willing to tolerate that. And they don't necessarily give advice or anything. They kind of just, you know,
1: they're listen to you. you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then go, oh, that sucks. So having that, but then also having like a community like on social media somewhere that is like nice and not going to judge you and not going to be mean and actually understands uh, part most I don't know of what you're going through so and I also think helping other people because now that my account is somewhat growing I'm actually getting more dms from people being like oh my god your dog sounds so similar to mine I'm having this that and the third issue can I just talk to you about it and I'm like sure yeah I'll talk to you about it like I I have so much experience with this like go ahead go for it yeah we'll chit chat you want behaviorist recommendations?" got you. You want enrichment activities? Got you. Like so it's I think that the helping other people and then like finding a different community on Instagram and off of Instagram where you can be away from your dog for time periods is is the the best thing you can do. But it's always going to suck no matter what you do. So I
1: before we go like to, to my like final questions and things, I I still have kind of like two questions. Cause this is what I hear from a lot of people that when they do take that time for themselves, um, like you mentioned, you know, like I try to do that once a week, they feel guilty for doing that. They think, okay, I should be spending this time on my dog, maybe, or what if my dog is having a panic attack while I'm gone? How, like, is, has that ever been an issue for you? The guilt over taking time for yourself or And if it has, how have you resolved it? And if it isn't, like, what's your thought process? Because I'm sure a lot of people will want to know.
0: My guilt is more stemming from we are vomit tracking right now. Um, So I'm keeping a vomit journal and we're trying to determine which day she's throwing up. And the issue is that she tends to throw up in the afternoon So if I'm not here, I can't see it, which has become somewhat of an issue, especially because I've started leaving in like the middle of the day and stuff. So I actually got a camera that records so that when I'm gone, I'm not obsessive and looking at the camera and everything. But when I get back, I can scrub through it and see if she has thrown up at any point, um, which has helped. Um but I think the main part about feeling guilty is just like I think specifically the doing something different with her every week, like doing our nice decompression activity every week has helped a lot with that. Because it's like okay Saturday we're going to a sniff spot and you're running all over the place and having a ball and I drove you out here. I paid for the zip car, you know, we were like an hour away, all these things. This is very nice. And then knowing that you did that the day before, it makes it a lot easier to go, okay, we're going to a concert today or, you know, like a festival or whatever. And then being like, Luna, you had fun yesterday. When I get back, like there are lick mats in the freezer and everything and like, you know, like, she just takes up so much of my life and we do so much during the day I kind of just like I don't know I feel like it's a lot easier for me I'm really bad at this because people will be like it's the same question you get when people are like well like when you're out in the muzzle like like don't you feel bad when like people Mm -hmm. yell at you or like or like when people let their dogs come up to you or try to pet you, like, like don't you just feel bad saying no or like yelling? I'm oh, like, no, I, I, don't care. <laughs> I think I'm the wrong person to ask because I straight up will just be like, it doesn't bother me. But
1: <laughs> I love that. I think so. That's probably that's probably why you're a Luna's guardian. If we're just you know like thinking like meta ish because of I all think, that.
0: I think I think having a muzzled dog in a city it it hardens you in a way that nothing else will because I have been screamed at, I have been cursed at, people have spit at me, people have tried to tell me to take the muzzle off my dog, that I have an aggressive dog, poor dog being muzzled, all these things. And it's like having that, it it will it will take any type of any type of care you have out of your mind because people will do that and then at the same time try to come up to you and it's just like it 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 hardens you like that if you ever want to if you ever want to get over caring put a muzzle on your dog and walk around and let people yell at you it gets you over it real quick that's bad but whatever no, very,
1: very cool. But I mean, you say that, and I'm like, when I hear you talk and uh, about your dog and I see your personality, I'm, I'm, I, like, I totally see you do that. But I do know that there are a lot of people that have uh, a lot of trouble getting to that point. So uh, I'm, I'm always asking everybody, and I'm always trying to, to sort of go like, okay, so what's your secret? What was your thought process? What was um, you know, like your thinking behind being able to do that. But if I hear you, it's kind of like, well, comes natural to me.
0: <laughs> What's well, funny, because I'm a very non-confrontational person. I don't like to do these things in general. But I think it just specifically when you have a dog like this, it and I'm aware of what her needs are. It's just, it's very, it's very unfun to have to sit there and go, no, oh please, oh, please don't approach us. Oh, she doesn't like to be pet. Oh, please stop. No, I don't like that. No, like I I just got tired of it. Stop sticking your hand in my dog's face. I, and I just, I don't know. I'm very non-revitational away from the dog with the dog. I'm like, like, go away. <laughs> I will scream at people. I don't care. It's just, and I, that's why I feel like I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't have a secret to it. I just get irritated with people and I just, I was worried you were going to ask me this actually because I don't have an answer I just I just get mad and then I just yell at people to go away
1: well maybe the thoughts behind it is like I know what her needs are and you don't and I'm sick and tired of having to answer the same thing time and time again so there's that boof yeah (laughs) all right right. so and the second question that I had um was because do you ever think I am tired of this. I can't do this anymore. I'm just, I'm done. And what do you do in those moments? All the
0: time. Um, Every time Luna crops up with a new issue and it is very, I mean, we we've been sitting here for a while and I think we've probably only covered maybe two thirds of everything that's wrong with her. Um, So it's, especially recently with all of her medical things and behaviors kicking up, It's like a constant every day you wake up and something new is wrong. And there's, especially with the big things, like when she had her whole mental breakdown and like when I found out she probably has IBD, especially the IBD one, I laid on my bed. And I looked at her and I was like, Luna, you suck. Like, (laughs) I don't like you. We can't be friends anymore. You are the worst. Um, yeah, it's a thing. I've had multiple people tell me that I shouldn't have her anymore, that I should rehome her or give her up or, or um, you know, things like that, like that she could be better with someone else. And it's just like, sometimes I'm like, honestly, <laughs> I'm so tired, <laughs> maybe. But then you also have to look at it and be like, I've also had a lot of people tell me, there's no one that would do what you're doing for this dog. There's no one that is going to prep enrichment every single day and go out of their way to get a behaviorist and a trainer and blah, blah, blah. And you kind of have to balance those in your mind and go, yeah, there is probably no one else that's going to go to the extent that I do, who knows this dog as well as I do. And Honestly, she's just like she's just like my best friend. Like I love her. And yeah, she's like a pain in the butt. And she doesn't understand how much of a pain in the butt she is. But which is probably a good thing. (laughs) Yes. But just knowing that I'm probably going to be the one that does the best for her, I guess, is kind of what gets me. And also I frequently find solutions like mental breakdown happen. Okay. The solution is to get a behaviorist IBD. Okay. The solution is to get a vet down here that I like and get a new internist that I actually like. And so you have to be very solution oriented and always looking for the way to improve it and a way to get past it. Cause I, every time a new issue comes up, I give myself, like, a day to wallow. I give myself a day to be like, this is the end of the world. Everything is horrible. Luna, I can't stand you. Why did you do this to me? Ah. And then the next day, I'm like, okay, who do we have to call today? What appointments do we have to make? What training schedule should I set up? Okay, I had a day. We cried it out. Moving on. I, so I think love that. I did is probably the best way I think I'm
1: honestly if I were to like advise people something you know like from like uh, a mindset perspective I always say allow your you know like allow the crappy as well which is why I love that you're saying like I give myself a day to wallow (laughs) you know like just to lie down on the floor sobbing and go like oh dog what have you done to me now just to feel all of that and not, not just try and repress that and, and like push that aside right away, but just go like, no, this kind of sucks. And then, okay, we're going to let it suck. <laughs> and then we're going to work on it, which is also fine. I know, like you said, like we have, like, we haven't even touched upon all of the things. Um, Like, I'm just already like, please don't answer these questions. Cause we're going to go like way over time, but just like questions that are already like popping up. is like, even thought of the finances of all of this like what is that doing to you then i heard you say like now i can prop her in a car and go like to a sniff spot i'm like but wait wait the car thing was a problem first too how did you get over that but we're we're just gonna leave that floating out there and i'm going to ask you to comment on the three words that i ask everybody to comment on when it comes to the journey with their dog which are expectation frustration and celebration. And I'm really curious to hear what comes up for you when it comes to Luna.
0: <laughs> oh, don't, don't, don't get your hopes up too high. I don't think I have great answers. To this. <laughs> um, expectation. Honestly, the first thing I thought of was I try to keep my expectations simultaneously exceedingly low and also somewhat high this definition has changed a lot for me when I when we first started Luna's reactivity journey like way back at the end of 2021 I was thinking to myself oh my god you know what my like goals and expectations are that we're gonna totally resolve reactivity like I want to get her CGC certified like I want to take the CGC test like I know she can do it like I want to do all these great things. And that very rapidly shifted as Luna began developing more and more issues to a point where my expectation for life now is kind of just, yeah, there's going to be a lot of issues. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is what it is. But my expectations in general are that we're always going to find um, some type of... Of improvement even okay I don't like to use the word cure because I don't think you cure reactivity or aggression you certainly can't cure IBD there's no cure for that one either so I don't like that word but I think just overall improvement I like to have big goals like my big goal is that Luna's mystery illness is resolved and that we hopefully see if that helps everything else, but I don't, I don't I know a lot of people have training goals, very specific for each week. And they're like, and then in this week, we're going to perfect our heel. And then by the end of this month, they're going to be non-reactive. And I'm like, I don't, I used to have a lot more set expectations like that. Now I'm just like, eh, if we could go on a walk next week with a dog, that would be swell. That would be a great expectation. That would be great. Um, frustration, It's so funny, because the, when you first said that, my first thought was like, Oh, my God, when is frustration reactivity? And then I was like, No, I don't think that's what she meant. <laughs> um, um, But it's so funny, because I will get very frustrated with, like, myself, and like, kids, I don't do kids, kids frustrate the heck out of me. I can't. you would think like oh if you get frustrated by kids wouldn't you with dogs but honestly I really don't that much with Luna because I know she can't help it she doesn't feel good she she feels icky and she has big feelings and also she can't understand when I explain to her like hey that's not scary or like you gotta go to the vet because you know something is wrong so it's I know a lot of people say, oh, I get so frustrated when my dog reacts. And, like, I just – I don't even know what to do. And, like, honestly, I don't think that happens that much for me. But I think it's partly because I also keep my expectations so incredibly low that it's, like, if she doesn't meet them, I'm, like, whatever. Yeah. It, it is what it is. We'll try again tomorrow. Okay. I'm Not to say I don't get frustrated, but I – when you keep your expectations kind of low for day, day to day, it keeps your. Her- not that I don't have like high expectations. Like she's going to like, I train her and everything. Like we train every day and I have high expectations for her training, but like I don't get frustrated because I don't expect her to be perfect. I have no expectations that she's going to be non-reactive or be non-aggressive. And so when you have, no expectations that she's going to magically be cured and everything, you don't get nearly as frustrated. I've found celebration. Celebration also ties into keeping your expectations and frustrations very low is that when everything is very low, you can celebrate pretty much anything. So like we went to the vet yesterday, my expectation going in there, right. Was that um, Luna was going to have to be sedated was that she was going to snap at people. Um, She was going to be incredibly reactive. She was going to attempt to get at everyone that the text, I knew technically I was going to a fear-free facility, but I wasn't sure if everyone was fear-free or if it was just the doctor. So I had an expectation that we were going to have issues with the text, which we almost always do. And all these things. And that it was going to be horrendous. And Luna was going to hate everything. And we had to walk on the street to get there. And she was going to freak out at the noise. And it was all going to be horrible. Ah. And then we went. And she, like, laid down at the vet. Which was wild. She has never done that. She didn't attempt to bite anyone. Which I thought was spectacular. She was okay Ish with the street noise. So it's like I celebrated that. Like I was happy about that. I I was in big celebration mode. I was telling everyone. And it's it's so silly, but when you've got a very complex dog, you find the weirdest things. Can you imagine saying this to someone normal? My dog didn't attempt to bite anyone at the vet. I get to celebrate. And people look at you like you're literally in they're like, Why is your dog trying to bite people? <laughs> Or yesterday, yes, oh, yesterday again. Yesterday she threw up in the same room with me, and then didn't even try to bite me. Celebration! Whoa! <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> like, like it's such stupid things that if you say this to normal people, they look at you like you've got three heads. But I, you got you got to keep it fun, you know. You <laughs> or else you go crazy.
1: Because I I wanted to say like. I have to credit my non-dog guardian friends as well when it comes to celebrations. Cause you're like, yeah, who do I talk to? Like who goes like, Oh, it's great that your dog didn't bite the vet and considers that a celebration. But I think my, even my non-dog friends, I kind of, I love them to pieces cause they, they know like also the journey that we've been on. And they're what they're like, wow, Rusty did that great. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like we, like we passed like two cats, and the cats in Rusty's mind didn't deserve to die today. It was fantastic. And then they're like, kind of, okay, there's nothing compared to what you're going through, right? But then they're also celebrating with me. So they they kind of they kind of know. I guess that's why we're friends, probably. All right. Um back on track, like, okay, we've done the expectation, frustration, and celebration. Let's say that there is somebody out there. Who's like, oh my gosh, I recognize this. I either want to talk to you and, you know, like hear what you have to say about your journey with your dog and hear a little bit more detail, or there's somebody maybe um, whose dog has pica bowel problems, resource guards, vomit, does all the other things. And is like, I can help you. I want to talk to you. Where do people find you? Like, where can they follow your journey? How can they contact you?
0: Yeah, so Luna is on Instagram at Luna, L-U-N-A, underscore the underscore cur, which is C-U-R, and then an underscore at the end. So Luna underscore the underscore cur underscore. Gotcha.
1: And we're going to link to this in the show notes, people. So don't freak out if you don't know how many underscores and where they go. um Um, we'll put it there but just to repeat one more time at luna underscore the underscore kerr underscore boom yep that's it all right megan um i know like we could talk a lot more and we could (laughs) have dove into like 10 other subjects topics and whatnot um but thank you so much for sharing all of this so far Maybe we'll just have to do like a follow up at one point point. Um, and just thank you for your time and thank you for your willingness to share.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. <laughs> you're welcome.
1: If you like this podcast, could I ask you to leave a review on whatever platform it is that you're using to listen to this? And if you want to reduce your stress and anxiety and just general snippiness around living with your dog who's a little rough around the edges, then you might want to consider coaching with me. Just go to my website, kaiservanoverbeek.com, to book your free consult. Ooh, and have I mentioned that you can coach with me in either English, German, or Dutch? Until next time.